glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Mark chapter 6, beginning verse 30. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all cities, and outwent them and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away, verse 36, that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He answered and said to them, Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread and give them to eat? He saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And they, when they knew, they say, Five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and break the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled, and they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes, and they that did eat of the loaves were about five thousand men. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go to the other side before unto Bethsaida, while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them, and about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. Immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed and in themselves beyond measure and wondered. Here's why, verse 52. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Uh, it's interesting to me that such a mighty miracle took place. And I think sometimes we get the idea that in an age where God was doing many miracles through the Lord Jesus Christ to establish that he's the Son of God, that we might think somehow that, well, those disciples, they were a little more um, responsible for forgetting because they saw more of the goodness of God than we have. And I beg to differ. We hold a Bible in our hands complete, perfect. Uh, they did not. We do. We have the record of all those miracles. We have the record of our own salvation. If you've been born again, the Spirit of God bears record of that in your heart. Yet there are times that in the seasons of life, what happens is God has just done something mighty. He's just done something great. And we don't even consider it. And the danger is when... And here's what I think I was thinking about coming home yesterday. And well, the Lord's kind of solidified some of this this evening. When your plane is delayed, which is not the same as a storm on the sea, but you know what you're thinking about? A delayed plane. You're not thinking about the fact that we're glad that, you know, somebody's still alive or that uh, thousands of souls are now have the gospel in their hand that didn't have it before the week started. 
What happens is there are moments when God is moving in very special ways. But that's, life is not one feeding of the 5,000 after another. It was the feeding of the 5,000, then it was a storm. And as we who went to missions training camp come home, what I've seen, observed, and I know Dad could bear witness the same thing, many times when there's such a, a focused and concentrated effort on getting the Word of God into people, God at that time has a unique opportunity to work in lives. Because you're hearing the Bible taught and preached multiple times a day. You are free from the distractions of the world. For those of you who work secular jobs, you're not in it. Uh, for those who your, your daily routine is different. And it really gives God a unique opportunity in our lives to do something. And I find a similarity here. Jesus took his disciples and said, let's go into a desert place away and let's rest a while. Meaning, we're going to get away from our normal daily routine. We're going to get aside and get some rest. The rest was disrupted by people, right? But what happens is the Lord Jesus had a burden for the people. He had a stirring in his heart. His eye affected his heart. He saw the multitudes, was moved with compassion. And what he begins to do is to transfer his burden for the multitudes to his disciples. He's doing the same thing today. He'll use something like missions training camp for us and for you. It's not... It's not a handful of people in this world that have a burden for souls. It's God who has, he was so burdened to save souls that he sent his only son, only begotten son into this world to die for souls so that we can be saved. I believe that's, that's, that's the heart of missions. John 3, 16. And so what happens is there's unique times when God says, I want to pull you aside from your daily routine, from all that's going on, so that I can have an opportunity to transfer to you my burden for the multitudes. It was discussed tonight, but I'll be honest with you. The multitudes get a little more difficult to have compassion on with time. You look on the multitudes and you can simply be frustrated. That's what the disciples did. Jesus said, feed them. They said, send them away. And so what we have going on in Mark 6 is very similar to what many of us experienced this week. The Lord looking on the multitudes of Guanajuato and uh, all these uh, areas in that state. And I'll be honest with you, I've heard about it. It is not the same as seeing village after village. Brother Wheeler says there's not a church there. There's no Bible preacher there. The only, the only religion in that, in that little town is a Catholic church in that big city. We went into the, the city of... Um, uh, Juventino Rosas, that's thousands, 60,000 in the city, 90,000 if you count the surrounding areas. Not one Bible preaching church, right? And that is repeated over and over and over in Mexico where we've been sending missionaries for years. So what happens is God stirs your heart. But I'm keenly aware that within 24 hours, I can forget everything God did in my heart by what I saw with my eyes. What can cause that? It's called life. <laughs> How many of know that the disciples got on boats every day of their life almost? Almost every day of their life they got on boats. When Jesus said, get in the ship and go to the other side of the sea, that was one of the easiest commandments he could give them. Those 12 men did that all the time. They were fishermen. That's what they did. And what the Lord Jesus is doing, while they are commanded to go across the sea in a ship, so he's just done a miracle. In that miracle, he has transferred his heart for the multitudes to his disciples. He has shown the, 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 the disciples what the multitudes need is not your intelligence, not your uh, ingenuity, not your creativity, not your mathematics. They need you to obey me so I can minister to them through you. Isn't that what happened? 
He stirred them to know he was wanting to, to serve, even as he served physical bread to that multitude, he was willing to serve his own life, his own body as bread to save those multitudes. And our job is not to do the saving, it's to distribute the bread. That's it. So they leave there knowing, you know what? Look what Christ did. Look what Christ did. Look at his heart for the multitudes. Look at how he was able to minister to them. And we were able to be laborers together with God. How many of us come out of camp this week be like, man, how exciting. We got to go out and do God's work among the multitudes. But I promise you in 24 hours you can forget everything he did. It's very possible. Here's what happened. The heart of Christ was stirred by what he saw. He transferred that to his disciples by involving them in the work with the multitudes. That's what we've done. A miracle took place. Now, I don't say that this week the same kind of miracle took place, but I would say this, God answered prayer in helping us get God's Word, the bread of life, into the hands of thousands, almost the same number of people here, 13,000 people this week, got a copy of God's Word. Do you think that's just going to affect one person? I said, by the end of the week, it's possible 40,000 people could be affected by the work that was done this week. If you say one Romans touches three people, eh? Thousands of people. Isn't that amazing? God can take a little group of people from a hit town in Idaho and do a work in Mexico among thousands of people. I think that's miraculous. And here's what happens. As soon as the miracle's done, the Lord Jesus gives them a commandment that's not miraculous. He doesn't say feed 5,000 people. He says get in a boat and go to the other side. Oh, no problem. So tomorrow, go back to work, go back to school, go back to life. But you know, when they went back to their normal life, life wasn't normal. <laughs> The Bible says that when they got on the ship, and we won't read it for time's sake, that a mighty storm arose. Meaning, as soon as the work of God was done, I believe the prince of the power of the air went to work to try to undo what God had just done. He raised up a storm. You know what a storm is? A storm, figuratively speaking, is something that causes adversity. Let me try to bring this home. How many of us know how smoothly... Uh, the King family, their deputation went just so well. Did it not? We get done with deputation and their commissioning time. And it, man, look how God blessed in the midst of a pandemic. God raised their support in, I believe, 20 months. And they're on the field. That's unheard of. And we're saying, that's God that did that. And then they land in their field of service, just doing what you do. You establish a household. You start buying groceries. And storms Yes? And you know what the purpose of Satan is to do? To get you to forget the miracle of the loaves and fishes. To get you to forget that God is still in the business of reaching the multitudes, whether you're in the boat in the midst of a storm or you're distributing bread. His, his agenda didn't change. It's not as though his agenda was, I have compassion on the multitudes as long as there's no storms. So what Jesus says is go down and get in the boat. He tarried behind to pray. You know why I believe he tarried behind to pray? He's praying for them just like he's praying for us tonight. He intercedes for us. He does not want us, when it comes to involvement in his harvest field, uh, we, one of the first messages was that he said, pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that would send forth labors into his harvest. I, I want to challenge you, as we were challenged at camp, I want to challenge you uh, as a church to daily ask the Lord to send forth labors in his harvest field. But I want to say this, when the disciples were on the boat, do you think they were praying over the multitudes? Do you think they were praying for laborers? Do you think they were even thinking about the multitudes? All they were thinking about is surviving. 
And what happens in our life is Satan sends things, God does a work, and I believe this, I believe our adversary counters that work and God allows it to test us. He counters that to rob us of what the Lord has done. I've seen this as a pattern in my Christian life. I see spiritual growth and I see God help me with some things and immediately, may we see somebody get saved and immediately there's a counter opposition that seeks to rob me of the confidence I have in the Lord. And so tonight, as we see the disciples in the storm, the key verse is in verse 52. The Bible says that in verse 51, and when he went up unto them into the ship and the wind ceased and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. This is not in the positive sense. The idea of this is they, they were overwhelmed with amazement. What has just happened? How could this be? Remember, they saw Jesus walking on the waves. And Peter said, if it be thou, Lord, bid me come unto thee. Well, if you don't think it's the Lord, why are you calling him Lord? There's some confusion there, right? But this is what happens. When a storm of opposition comes and we get our eyes on the storm, which is what Peter did. If you read, I believe it's John's text, he walked on the water. Then he sank because he considered the waves instead of the master. And all I'm trying to say, especially to us who went down there and God stirred in our heart and did a work in our heart, or even to us as a church, as we look at what God has done in raising up a family, sending them forth, rejoicing what God has done, don't let the storms rob you of what God did in the miracle of the loaves. God has done some... Listen, Bonner's Ferry Baptist Church, God has done miracles in this church. He, and we need not forget it. When it comes to physical things, we are, we are meeting in a miracle tonight. This building, and I don't ever want us to forget it, this building and the fact we have a place to meet that doesn't cost us something monthly because God gave it to us in full, that's a miracle in and of itself. I say a lesser miracle, but it's a miracle. I would say tonight that a church in 15 years of existence that God would be so so kind and so gracious to raise up a family and send them forth and they're on the field doing the work that God's called them to do, that God would put labors. I, listen, church, I remember a time when Chris King and I rode to this county and I said, man, I wish there would be a day when we had enough men to go out that we could actually knock all the doors in this county because he and I couldn't. I said, wouldn't it be wonderful if we had five or six guys that go out and knock on doors and put out gospel literature so that we could actually hit the whole county in a year? And we do it every year. That is the work of God. But how many of you have had storms this year? Oh, you betcha. Storms. What's the purpose of the storm? Well, we need to remember the same God that saved our soul the same God that answered prayers and has delivered us from temptation is still God when there's a storm going on. And Satan's desire with that storm is to cause us to not consider the Savior. The Bible says in verse 52, they're, 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 beyond, see, they're, they're wandering beyond measure in themselves, meaning that's unbelief at work. And then verse 52, and here's why. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. What happens with adversity when there is opposition, that's what that storm represents, adversity that makes progress difficult. One of the themes in camp this week with all the messages, we couldn't help it but be a theme because it was all around us, was adversity. That if you're going to serve the Lord, you're going to face adversity. We all love adversity, don't we? Of course not. And I believe the goal of Satan in our lives is our adversary, adversity, adversary, is to use adversity, the making forward progress in what we, what we know is right to do, 
He wants to use that to harden our hearts. And when our hearts get hard, we quit considering the great things God has done and we lose our focus on what He wants done. May I say this? Bonner's Ferry Baptist Church exists for one solitary purpose. We are a pillar and ground of the truth. What is our goal is to put forward the truth concerning Jesus Christ so the lost can come to faith in Him, have their sins forgiven, be saved, and then they can learn to follow Him in obedience and repeat the same process. The Great Commission, the preaching of the gospel to the unsaved, baptizing them once they believed, and then teaching them how to be disciples. That's what we exist to do. What gets our focus off of that? Adversity. Adversity. When God gives us something so simple to do and we set forward to do it, if you study that text, my memory is that they were gaining six inches an hour on that boat. You study the furlongs and how many hours they were on the sea. Twelve men moving six inches an hour. That's adversity. There are moments when in our personal Christian life, when as a church family we may feel like we're getting nowhere. We're not going forward. And what we need to do is have a history lesson. I I believe if we'd stop for a few moments tonight and remember the things the Lord has been doing in our lives over the last number of years and how He's changed us, how He's delivered us from evil, how He's transformed our character, how He has enabled us to serve Him, we could stand here all night and testify to the faithfulness of God and to His Word. What happens, though, is storms come to rob us of, 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 of getting our focus on the Lord and the great work that He has done. I remember right after you got saved, being just overwhelmed with joy that you no longer had to worry about meeting God, that you knew your sins were forgiven. What robs us of that joy? Adversity. Our hearts get hardened, get our eyes off the Lord. My challenge tonight is very simple. As we go right back into our normal lives, you know what I plan on doing tomorrow? Getting up and doing what I did when we were in Mexico. I'm reading my Bible and pray, go to work, and of course it'll just go normal and everything will go fine, right? Probably not. Don't let adversity in the days ahead rob us of what the Lord Jesus Christ is doing in our lives. Mm-hmm.